Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. We have a message that I believe the Lord wants us to hear, but you're not going to hear it if you're just listening to this guy. Uh, You really want to have your hearts open. You really want to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you directly from the Word. At the end of the day, I hope I'm forgotten, and there is a very clear picture of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ for you uh, revealed, and that's what you walk away with today. Is that all right? Those of you watching online, we welcome you on Facebook, virtually, directly in our live stream. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. It is a two-part series this weekend. I think it's very, very important for us. If you want to join us this evening, this evening is virtual only. So some of you that are here fellowshipping and worshiping, don't come back here this evening. You want to go online like you would have, you know, before we uh, reopened. So we're this today, we're th- this Sabbath, our two-part message, we're only in the book of Revelation verse uh, chapter 13. Okay? We'll, 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 we'll pull from other places, but that's where we're mainly going to be taking our journey this morning. All right, well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and ask the one that's going to speak to us today to, to be present with us and join us now. Let's pray. Father in heaven. What a momentous time for us to be living in. There's so much hurt and pain right now in the world. And I just pray in these moments that uh, something that is said will touch somebody's heart, will encourage somebody in the midst of all that's going on in our world not to be afraid, but to trust in Jesus. The cross lets us know that you, you will not disappoint, that you're faithful to fulfill every one of your promises. I thank you that in Christ we have the absolute assurance, Lord, of our salvation. We have also the assurance of the gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, guiding us into all truth, because Jesus himself declared himself to be the truth. Thank you. Be present now. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. Amen. We are living in, I believe, probably one of the most tumultuous times in our nation's history. Would you agree? Yeah, we really are. You're feeling it, right? Uh, People have lost jobs, okay? People have lost loved ones, unfortunately, to the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, we're now over 200,000 lives and counting lost as a result related to this, this plague on our planet and definitely here in our nation. And for those of you that are here or are watching online and you've been affected in any way, a loss of job, loss of loved one, our hearts go out to you. We love you and we, we pray that very soon uh, this will, that we'll get through this. And we know because of Jesus that we will, but we really want to let you know that uh, our condolences are with you and we resonate with your pain. Many of us here uh, can, can, can totally relate with what's going on elsewhere around the world, including myself. And... In the midst of all of this that's been going on, we're, we're very much aware of the issue that's been taking place. I'll just highlight two. One, there has been the issue in the midst of this pandemic. It's certainly been going on before this pandemic, the issue of systemic racial 
injustice taking place, unfortunately. Uh, that's not speaking of everyone in law enforcement, of course. That's not speaking of everything involved in our justice system, but it, it exists. It's there. Now, another thing that this pandemic has highlighted as an issue right now for us in this country, and I said highlight because it's not something that we've been immune to prior to now, and that is we have a deeply divided nation politically right now. I mean, everything is being politicized, okay? And, and, and you're on one side of a fence or on the other, uh, even if you wear a mask. I mean, it's just, that's how things are right now. And people can't just sit down, have some pizza without being divided. And it's tragic, it's sad. But the question then starts to emerge in our mind. There's many other issues, many other things that we've experienced as a nation, but there's many, uh, but, but there's many people right now as so often happens when times like this, not just in this country, but around the world, uh, when, when mass pain and suffering ensues, people begin to ask the question, God, where are you? Where were you? Did you anticipate this? Like, what's going to happen next, okay? And so some people may be asking the question that we're asking for this two-part series. The question is, okay, America, how did we get here? And what's behind all this stuff that's going on and where is this going and is there any hope as we step into the future and i have the privilege and the honor this weekend this saturday sabbath to announce to you that there is good news not just coming but present here and now but before we get into that good news we need to back up a little bit we need to pull back and we need to get a panoramic view. We need to pull back and go a little bit further back in the developing history of the story, not just of this country, but of humanity. We've got to go back before civil rights. We've got to go back before the American Revolution. We've got to go back before colonial America. We've got to actually go back to a time before Earth was created. If we're going to understand what's happening right now, how did we get here? Where are we going? And is there any hope? We've got to pull back and get the big picture story that is unfolding even right now as I speak. Because if we're going to understand what's going on, we've got to see him there. As he's there, before there was an America. Before Earth had reached the climax of its creation. There was a being that was watching the unfolding beauty of the of the character of God and his reign of love, universal throughout the universe. Very keenly aware of his character and his reign of love universally, but tragically chose to rebel against that character of love and that reign of love and to ensue and to unfold his own character of the opposite of God's reign and character of love, and that is a character of selfishness, more specifically, self-exaltation at the expense of others. That rebellion, one-third of the angels, you know what I'm talking about, Lucifer, who turned himself into the devil and Satan, brought his rebellion to earth. Follow with me. And when he comes to earth, he deceives Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 1 and 2. You right, right? That's the kind of big, the introduction to the story that takes place here now in Genesis 3. And through deceiving Adam and Eve, here's what happens. It's not just that they ate an apple and, oh, now we're going to die. By sinning, they gave over the rule that God had delegated to them because God has rule over everything. Amen? But they, the delegated leadership that Adam and Eve co-equally had, they gave over now though he usurped it through deception, they gave it over to the devil. And the devil lays claim to planet Earth as 
his dominion, where he should be worshipped. How do we know this? If you go to the story there in in Job chapter 1, you'll notice in Job chapter 1 that Satan, who's been kicked out at this point, right? Reference uh, Revelation 12. And so he now shows up to the place that he's been kicked out of. How can that happen? How is the devil just going to show up in God's throne room amidst the divine council to somehow represent planet Earth? Well, it's because he has laid claim to the planet by deceiving Adam and Eve. And so there's some rules of engagement. Because God's character of love is what it is. He's not just going to flex his muscles and just crush him. He wants to actually reveal to those that might not be sure which side to actually go on, who to vote for. He wants to show the character of God. And so what he's going to do is he's going to call out Abraham and his descendants are going to take the covenant promise that God made to Adam and Eve to bring forth the son, Jesus, the Messiah, to undo everything that the devil did. And watch this, reestablish the good news of the reign of God on the earth through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus now shows up. Because all throughout the story of the Old Testament, watch this, when it looked like the devil was winning, he was actually losing. Well, actually, got a huge shout, so I'll shout for you. Hallelujah, amen. What you're seeing in the Old Testament is a loser. Read Revelation 12. See, the devil likes to make us think that he's actually winning. He's just making a lot of noise like he's doing right now. But watch this. What's actually happening is he's trying to stamp out the worship and the reign of God in the earth, particularly through those people that were carrying the covenant promise to ultimately usher in Messiah. And he keeps losing. Can't do it at the flood. Just couldn't do it. Started over with Noah, right? Even to the point now where the children of Israel are in exile in Babylon. He still can't stop some of them from standing up. Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, are you following me? And then there are those that come back and now the promise of God to restore everything, right? He can't stop the worship and the reign of God on the earth. And so Jesus shows up. (laughs) And so now here's the temptation now in the wilderness, right? If you want to go back and reference it there, you want to go to Matthew 4 or Luke 4. Jesus is there, watch this, he is there not just for you but as you. See, Jesus, when he comes in the flesh, is the corporate representative of all humanity. Second Adam. His victory is yours, ultimately fulfilled at the cross. So when the devil is tempting Jesus, guess who else he's tempting by virtue of representation? You. So Jesus' victory is whose victory? Hallelujah. So watch what happens. Notice the third temptation. I'm just setting this up for you. Notice the third temptation. The third temptation is, hey, bow down and what? Did you hear that? Bow down and worship. And then I'll give you what? All the kingdoms and the nations of the earth. He showed Jesus their glory. Why? What does that have to do with the cross? What does that have to do with gentle Jesus, meek and mild? What was Jesus ultimately coming to do? Reclaim. Reestablish his reign of love on the earth. Through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. This is the backstory. Understand what Lucifer says. You can see it there in Ezekiel 28. And you can also see it there as it talks about his origins in heaven and so forth in, uh, in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, I believe it is. 
And, and, and over and over again, Lucifer keeps saying, I will exalt myself above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. How? He wants his worship and he wants his reign. But he's not going to do it through the way God does it. God does it through self-sacrifice and giving other centered love. He does it through selfishness at the expense of others. And he keeps losing. The cross was the death blow to Satan. Hallelujah. And so what we're going to do today as we go through Revelation, now I understand that we are going, first of all, the book of Revelation's title is actually the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hero. So look for him. But understand when you turn on the light, you expose what's in the dark. So as we turn on and lift up Jesus, understand some things are going to get exposed like we're doing right now about the enemy and what his actual goal is on the earth. This is actually the backdrop to what's happening right now. So come with me, book of Revelation, chapter 13. Now, when you're in the book of Revelation, you need to understand that you're dealing with symbolic language that is echoing what's happening in the unfolding story of Scripture, all in the Old Testament, even from the New. Uh, through the Holy Spirit, John is borrowing from all that story, all that data he's assuming is in your mind as you read. So that you can now understand what's going on. This book is not to be sealed or even to scare you. It's to reveal to you Jesus who's the assurance of your hope and salvation. So as we go into this story, understand that the devil is losing over and over and over again. He just can't win. And so what happens is, the book of Revelation in chapter 13 depicts Satan looking at the sea. Your translation may say that I, John, was standing at the sea, but actually that translation, because the, the word in the original language, uh, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just a subtle nuance. It almost sounds like it's saying I, John, but really, if you read, you'll get the context if you read Revelation 12, and you see the last verse of Revelation 12 is Revelation 12, 17, Satan keeps losing. And so now he directs his attention. He lost with Jesus. It's over for him. So he directs his attention on those faithful followers of Jesus that have the testimony of Jesus and are obedient to his commands. And now he's changing his strategy because prior to this, what's happening is Jesus is gone. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit has happened. The church has exploded. And so he goes by force, as he's always done, through, watch this, the mixture of, well, initially government. Well, I'm about to get ahead of myself. He works through government, pagan government, to actually attack God's people on the earth that are continuing to establish God's worship and his reign. Are you hearing this? And so now he's shifting strategy. What am I going to do? And so watch this. He's looking now over the sea. Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse number one. I hope you're with me now. If you're there, let everybody say amen. All right. If you're online right now, you may want to indicate that by clicking a heart or an emoji of some kind. But here we go. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says this. The Bible says, and the dragon stood, this is the NASB I'm reading today just because it highlights some really good things in the original language. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore 
Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and his horns had ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Keep going with me now to verse number two. And the beast which I saw was, was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. This should be sounding very familiar to our Bible students in the house today. And the dragon gave him his power. Watch this. The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed, listen, and amazed and followed after the beast. Verse 4, they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast and they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? And who is able to wage war with him? What in the world did I just read, Pastor CJ? Can you help me out a little bit with the time that we have left? Yes, I'm going to try my best to do that. Okay? The first thing we need to understand, and please forgive me, I'm going to go rapid fire to session, but I can provide some additional study notes, or I have a blog that I might put out based on this, so I can give you more information. If you want, you can just reach out to me, and I can give you more details, if that's okay. And this should encourage further study, right? We want to be students of the Word of God as we continue to grow in Christ. But watch this. Understand that the devil is standing, and devil, by the way, is there, it's dragon. If you want to go to Revelation, previous chapter, chapter 12, look at verse 9 and, and other places there in chapter 12. You'll understand the dragon is speaking of Satan, but it's not just speaking of Satan. It's talking about Satan, but Satan's working through a system. What system is this? Well, what, what's happening here is the devil is standing looking over the sea, or the seashore, it might say in your version. And he's going to call out his first associate because he shifted strategy. He's tried to kill the followers of Jesus that are faithful to him, and it's not working. They keep growing. And so he's going to shift his strategy. So he calls out his first associate, beast, according to Daniel chapter 7, verse uh, 17. By the way, you want to have Daniel 7 in your mind. You're going to go and reference it back and forth a few times when you're looking at Revelation 13. You need to have Daniel 7 in your mind. And a few other places too. But a beast represents a government. It's a political power. Okay? And a beast, okay, can be a kingdom, or as we're going to see, a beast can be a government that's not a kingdom. But understand that the first thing he does is he calls out a government power, a political power. Now, who is this government political power? Watch this. It says that. And again, this is going to sound very familiar to those of you that are familiar with Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 2. It's going to say this. He says, it has seven heads, it has ten horns, and its horns have ten diadems or crowns on it with blasphemous names. What's going on there? Well, here's the thing you need to understand. The devil is actually described this way. The dragon is described this way in Revelation chapter 12. Okay? So if you go in Revelation chapter 12 and you look at the description of the dragon in verse 7 going all the way down to verse number 10 and you see his activity going on and then in verse 3, watch what it says. It says the great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his heads were seven diadems. So the dragon has a, a twin, if you will, in this beast system that he's now calling from the sea. What is the sea? Well, according to Revelation 17, 
verse 15. The sea stands for a, a highly densely, uh, a densely populated region or population that has many languages and many nations. And when you compare this now with Daniel chapter 2, when you look at the statue of the succession of nations, you get down to the toes, right? There's ten toes. We're seeing some parallel. We understand, according to Daniel chapter 2, verse 4 to 45, that these are ten nations coming out of Western Europe. So we know we're talking about kingdoms. How else do we know we're talking about kingdoms? Well, horns, horns stand for political power, but horns that have diadems or crowns on them, we're talking about kingdoms. These are governments that are kingdoms. So we're looking at Western Europe. The devil is standing on the, on the, I don't know, looking over out at Western Europe is the imagery we're getting here. And he's calling an associate. It's a, it's a confederation, if you will, of 10 kingdoms in Western Europe. But watch this. We continue on. We notice the language begins to shift from political to religious. When we get now to the end of verse one, there's blasphemous names blasphemous names. There's something else you need to understand about this system that's developing, that the enemy is raising up out of the history coming out of Western Europe. Here's one of the things you need to understand, that this, this blasphemous confederation of these nations now, the dragon gives it its authority, it gives it its power, its throne. Something should be sounding familiar to you right now. As you keep reading on in verse 3, this power is fatally wounded, and then that wound is healed. In other words, it comes back to life. It dies and rises again. Is this sounding familiar to anybody in the house today? And here's the ultimate goal, is that people, when they see particularly this system rising out of the history there in Western Europe, out of those ten nations there, what begins to happen is they're amazed that this system resurges. And they are amazed by it, and they begin to follow after this one who died and rose again. Does this sound familiar to you? It should. Because the first associate, this, this sea beast, if you will, is a merging of a version of Christianity that arose out of Western Europe with government. Because what you need to understand is that what the enemy is after is he is after usurping the worship and the reign of God on the earth. And here he does it through, and here's our first point today. He does it through impersonating Christ while working against him. He impersonates Christ while working against him. He changes the strategy. If you can't beat them, what? Join them. And what you'll find is, from Revelation, about Revelation 11 on, the enemy's activity through this first system, we'll talk about the second one this evening, is deception. Look like Jesus, work against him. Look like him, work against him. You may be familiar with the holiday film, The Santa Claus. Anybody? Tim Allen? Okay, The Santa Claus Part 2, anybody? Okay, and you know that in the Santa Claus part two, right? Okay, so he's, he's, he's settled now into his role as Santa Claus, right? You've got to watch the film to get the whole plot. I don't got time to go into all of it. But, but ultimately what happens here is, is that he is the new Santa. 
And there's a clause by which if he agrees to be the Santa, he gets to remain in that role. But over time, he discovers, oh, to remain in my role, I got to get married. So he's got to put his role as Santa, if you will, on hold. And he's got to go back to his hometown and find somebody and get married. In the meantime, he needs a clone, listen, to impersonate him. And so he has this machine, and I don't know how they, I don't remember how they put it together, but they got this machine, and they create toy Santa that looks like him, sounds like him, moves like him, unless you get real close. And initially, toy Santa kind of fools some folk. But after a while, if you remember the film, toy Santa starts to show his true colors. And he becomes a tyrant. And he becomes a dictator in the North Pole. And those who thought that they were actually adoring and serving Santa discovered they were actually serving a tyrant. Satan is doing the exact same thing. Understand that in the end of time, Satan's goal is not to come out and go blah with horns and scare folk. He wants to come looking Christian. That's actually been the strategy for quite a while. Reshape a picture in the earth of God that's so detestable that people want to reject Christ and they want to reject Christianity and they want to reject the church. Often, listen, for valid reasons. Because the devil's strategy, impersonate Christ while working against him. This is where the Apostle John, who writes the book of Revelation, will also write in his letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he uses the language of Antichrist, right? Antichrist. This is the Antichrist system that we're talking about. Okay? And understand that what's behind it is impersonate Christ. Look Christian while working against Christ. Look like him. Work against him. And can you imagine if somebody, spouse is in the house, you have an awesome spouse, and somebody kidnaps your spouse and puts an a imposter spouse there, and you're there with your spouse, and they look like your spouse, they're talking like your spouse, but you just get this eerie feeling, there's something ain't right there, do you not? What happened to my wife? What happened to my husband? You see, over time, what starts to happen is people begin to go, no, 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 this, this ain't Jesus. Mm. This is not the church. And so there's faithful followers of Jesus during this period of time that begin to emerge. This is the period of time that's dis- that's, uh, that we discover as we continue on. Verse number 5 brings out 42 months. 42 months is the same as Revelation 12 uh, in the previous chapter, which talks about 1260 Days. This is the same thing in Daniel chapter 7 as the times, times, and half the times, okay? Which is kind of like prophetic language for three and a half years. Sound familiar? Sound like Jesus' ministry? Okay. And the 42 months is actually 1260 years. How do we know that? Well, according to Ezekiel and Numbers, if you want more information on that because of time, we can, we can give you that information. Bible prophecy, when trying to explain years of time, it will often refer to days. Okay, so there's a day for a year principle when you apply that, and it flows perfectly when you look at the history here. 1260 year papal reign, papal reign, but it was papal Christianity. There was a form, again, of Christianity with a man at the head, but it was dominating over the governments of Europe. That's what was happening here, okay? 
And this period goes from the time that Justinian, the one of the last emperors there, Justinian, Emperor Justinian of Rome, uh, he, he then makes a decree to establish the Pope of Rome as the ruler over the term began to be known there in Western Europe as Christendom. And he establishes the Pope as the ruler of Christendom. That goes all the way until 1798, until the Pope is dethroned and imprisoned under Napoleon. My history students might remember Napoleon under General Berthier. Locks him up, puts him in exile, and he dies in prison. Okay? What's going on here? Thanks for the imagery, Pastor CJ. Thanks for the, the prophetic time chart. Thank you. But what's going on here? Remember, what has the devil always wanted? What do you say he wanted in the very beginning? I will be like the... So he calls out an associate, because he rarely just shows up and just goes, blah, it's me. He works through systems. And how does he do it effectively on the earth to get this? He does it through power. What kind of power? Religious and government power combined. Impersonate Christ. Work against him. Policies that are not in harmony with the principles of the kingdom of God. Not in harmony with the commandments of God. Revelation 7 says in his, in his bl speaking blasphemous words, he is against God, the very throne of God, the very sanctuary of God, the law of God. He seeks to cha change times and laws, which he does. Saturday to Sunday is one of those things that he does. There's several other things other than that, by the way. But that's one of the things he does. And in the actual Hebrew language, it's actually saying there in Daniel 7 that he seeks to change laws regarding the time. This begins to develop as we get further on in our journey today, okay? But understand that what he's after is to impersonate Christ while working against him. What does that tell us today? Well, here's the good news. Number one, it should give us some relief, those of us maybe that are, that are maybe present even, but there's something in your heart that goes something right now in Western Christianity is just not right. I can't put my finger on it, but something doesn't look like Jesus, though it professes to be like Jesus. Well, your hunch is correct. Because what develops to where we are right now is that not everything that looks like Jesus is Jesus. Not everything that comes from these two, these two collaborating institutions that continues to unfold, even though it uses the name of Jesus and says it's under Jesus, is not Jesus. And so one, it calls some people that may be having a very detestable picture of Jesus right now in the West and in the world because the, this system, this church and government system working together, created through colonialism, collaborating with missionary work around the world, has presented a particular picture of God in Christianity that, yes, has drawn certain people. God works in spite of our brokenness, right? But has for many others repelled people from Jesus. And one of the ways it does this, we're going to see in a second, but before I go there, this calls us to, number one, breathe. A lot of what you're seeing that's turning you off from Jesus, particularly, listen, in a political climate, it's not him. You can breathe. Allow that release to take place to go, okay, I'm clear. What I'm pushing against is letting me know that there's something better to discover. But it's also an invitation, get to know the real Jesus. Come to scripture and see him unfolded for yourself. 
is one of the messages that is coming to us today from the throne of heaven. Come to see the one who is actually altogether lovely and beautiful. And the most rejected, the most dejected of society were drawn to him. The most sinful, demon-possessed saw who he actually was and said, Jesus, receive me. And Jesus says, absolutely. Follow me. There's another characteristic of this system that becomes very important for us as we're about to see what's unfolding in our time right now today. Come with me now. Verse number seven. Are you with me, guys? We are almost done, believe it or not. But watch this. Verse number seven. It was also given to him, this system, this sea beast system, to make war. That should bring your mind back to Revelation chapter 12, previous chapter, when it talks about the devil's attack, his waging war because he's angry with the remnant of her seed, the followers of Jesus that are faithful to him that remain in the end of time, okay? It's unfolding here for us now in this 1260-year period. It continues on to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. We talked about the global influence of this system during this period. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Oh, but watch this. Everybody should breathe a big sigh of relief now in verse 8. Everyone except everyone whose name was not... By the way, say everyone whose name had not been written in the foundation of the world of the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. Your translation, particularly in the King James and New King James, will say all those whose names had been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We're going to talk about how you get in that book in a second. <laughs> Verse number 9. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Pay attention, John says. Verse 10, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If he kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the what? Patience. So my version says perseverance and faith of the saints. Satan's strategy now is, okay, I've impersonated him. I'm working to undermine his government and reign on the earth. And then he moves ultimately to all-out war with the faithful followers of Jesus through coercion. It is worship or die. Right away, you know that ain't Jesus. And I know that's not proper English for my teachers in the house. It's not Jesus. Worship coming from Jesus is inspired by self-sacrificing love revealed at the cross. That's why, by the way, whenever they worship in the Bible, it's always around the temple or around an altar of sacrifice. They recognize that this God who wants to give himself up for me to redeem and restore me at the very cost of his son, he's worthy of worship. That's volunteer worship. That's I'm moved by the love of God revealed in Christ. I give you my life. You could have everything that involves my life because you're worthy. I esteem you above everything else as valuable and <laughs> worth it all. And God looks at you and he says, you're worth it all. This system says worship me or die. And that's what took place. During this time, God's people are depicted as going into the wilderness, going into a safe place where God can take care of them. But watch this. If you're reading in Revelation chapter 12, verse 15 and 16, I'm just giving you the reference. You can go back and look it up. 
The earth opens up during this time of persecution, which is like a flood. This is going to bring us into this evening. And the earth, which eventually has a beast that forms from it, the earth opens up as a safe haven so that those faithful followers of Jesus can escape and worship with the freedom of religion without a king or a pope. I'm throwing that in there for this evening, but I want you to understand prior to that time, what you're seeing happening during this history is this. Persecute Christ's faithful followers while forcing global allegiance. And what we're going to see this evening is, this repeats. What we're seeing is the first two associates of this, what we'll discover this evening is an unholy trinity. See, I will be like the most high. So Satan is parroting or impersonating the Father, right? He gives initially uh, pagan Rome authority, throne, right? Rulership, becomes an empire. But ultimately, he does this to the church-state system that comes out of that, papal Christianity coming out of that same time period, and the Pope receives the throne of the emperor, the authority and begins to rule for that period of time, the faithful followers of Jesus, the persecuted. Here's what you need to understand, that the description there of the ten uh, horns that we talked about right here, you're talking about the secession of nations going from Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, but the focus right now of John and what was eventually the focus of Daniel when you get to the latter chapters of Daniel is on this fourth beast. Daniel calls him a, your translation may say, it, it may be like a nondescript beast, a terrifying beast. He crushes everything in its path, okay? But what happens is, again, it shifts. It now becomes divided Rome. It becomes basically the ten nations of Western Europe. Three of them eventually disappear off the scene, and you end up with seven left. Many of them were known as being monarchical governments, kingdoms, okay? This brings us to the time right before what happens. The rock cut out without hands comes. Christ at his second coming comes to establish his reign ultimately. We're in between that period. And this evening, we're going to get home to how did we get here? Because what I want you to leave with today is this. The principles that was displayed during that 1260-year period impersonate God. At that time, impersonate Christ and work against him. And the principle of amass global allegiance to this system, which is really Satan kind of parroting behind it, gets repeated in the very place, the earth, that opens up to receive the faithful followers of Jesus so that they can worship freely. The same principles get repeated again. Basically, I'm going to tell you the exact same thing I told you today, this evening, with some current context. Does that make sense? And so therefore, this calls us to have perseverance. How many of you are persevering right now? This calls us to have enduring faith. Faith in what? In my last two minutes, I'm going to tell you what you need to have some faith in. Are you ready? When you look back, let me just quickly look at this. I want you guys to see this. because This is some good news right here. Sometimes when we read this story that's in, by the way, Daniel chapter 2 gets repeated in Daniel chapter 7 with the, with the leopard and the bear, right? Okay. This right here, sometimes when we read that that kingdom of Christ is going to come at the second coming, we sometimes think that that's actually the only time that Christ's kingdom gets established. 
That's actually, to be more specific, that's when it ultimately is established in the earth. Unchallenged. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. But, but what happens is, didn't Jesus come before that already? Didn't Jesus come during the time of Rome? And what was his announcement when he came? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is now. Understand. Please hear this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are presently living under the reign of God. You are a part of the kingdom of God on earth. Watch this. The kingdom movement is you are a part, listen, you're a part of the resistance movement of Satan working through church and state uniting. You're a part of the resistant movement for the establishment of the kingdom of Christ. And I need to warn some of us today because some of us in the midst of our current political conversation that's happening are revealing more of a loyalty to state than you are to the kingdom of God. We need to vote and do our responsibility on earth, hopefully leading towards justice. But the kingdom of God is about justice. Justice is the outworking of righteousness, which is basically an outworking of love. That's why it's the reign of love. You need to be operating and thinking based on the principles of Christ and him crucified and his teachings, which is embracing all the teachings of scripture and making your choices that way. Because the one that died on the cross, <laughs> he had a crown of thorns, but guess what? When he comes the second time, he's wearing a crown that says, I am here to take over. All of those systems will be reduced to ashes. Don't put your loyalty in a system that's going to end up in rubble. Put your a loyalty, put, your, put your, your everything that is about you, your trust in the one who says the kingdom is now. It will ultimately be revealed and fulfilled when Jesus returns. But please understand, when you say, I, when, you're not just saying, yes, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and make it so individual, so personal. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. <laughs> Yes or no? <laughs> You're a part of a kingdom. You're a part of a community. Hello. It's us with him. Because he came to reveal himself to us as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. NASB was getting it really good right there. It's not just that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. What it's letting you know is... Because of the choice he made from the foundation of the earth, guess what? By virtue of the cross, your name has already been placed in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, so I know you guys didn't get that because I didn't hear the amen that I got right here from Sister, my sister Agnes. Your name is already in the book of life. Did you know that? By virtue of the cross, he took your place. You're there. How do you get out of it? Reject him. And receive the image instead of the image of Christ. We're going to talk about this evening. Receive the image of the beast. <laughs> There's no other name, Mike, that matters to me than the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Bow now or bow in the future, but Jesus is Lord. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. 
I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.